we talked about worship as warfare. We talked about church as warfare. We talked about uh, character as warfare, money as warfare. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness as warfare. So that's the title of the message today, Forgiveness as Warfare. You guys ready, ready for this? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you taught us to forgive. You've showed us what it looks like to forgive. And Lord, we don't take that lightly. We thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins and transgressions, for wiping us clean and free by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you for what you accomplished on the cross. You are our salvation. And so we ask today that you would anoint the word and anoint our time, open our hearts wide to receive all that you have for us and help us, give us the strength to practice forgiveness as you did. And everybody who receives that, just say amen. Amen. As I mentioned, we've been talking about spiritual warfare and I do want to give you the definition that we've been looking at throughout the month, which is spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. God has defeated Satan and the war is over. Amen. Spiritual warfare are battles between Satan and your connection to God. Spiritual warfare does not always need to be this seismic activity, this humongous attack on our lives. Because if if it was happening like that every time, we'd see it coming and we'd start rebuking the enemy. We'd start releasing the blood of Jesus, wouldn't we? But oftentimes, spiritual warfare is subtle. It's in the details. Everybody, ever, you ever heard that? The devil's in the details. I kind of believe that now because the subtleties, the little things that we don't acknowledge as warfare, they wiggle their way in between us and our intimacy with Jesus. That is spiritual warfare. Anything that distracts you or detracts you from your union and your communion with the Lord Jesus is spiritual warfare. It should be hunted down aggressively in your life and dealt with in the name of Jesus. Is that too much for the 11, at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning? Aggressively hunted down and dealt with, right? Because nothing will come between me and Jesus. That's a statement and a stake that we've got to put in the ground. Nothing shall come between me and Jesus. And anything that tries is spiritual warfare. And I will put it to a stop today in Jesus' name. I don't know how you guys are responding to this introduction yet. You guys ready to go? Forgiveness as warfare. So forgiveness as warfare. A few thoughts. Uh, how many of you guys are Christians in here? Most of you guys, I think. You come to church, right? Well, Christianity, it finds its birthplace at a mount called Golgotha, which is the mount of the skull, which is where Jesus had to be crucified because he's the head. So on the Mount of Golgotha, Jesus was crucified on the cross of Calvary. This is our origin story, you and I. This is our inheritance. This is our birthright. This is where it all starts, which is why I'm always surprised when Christians are surprised that they're going through suffering. Because we find our origin story in a position of suffering. And when you go through suffering, the Bible teaches us to rejoice to rejoice because we're getting the opportunity to suffer in the same manner as our Lord. Suffering is in your DNA. 
I think Kendrick Lamar had a song about that. <laughs> suffering is in your DNA. I told my friend last night, we were on the phone, we were talking about this. I was like, man, suffering's kind of like our birthright, you know? Which is, a, which is a tough word, man, but we were just rejoicing about it. I said, man, you cut me, you get revival. Hallelujah. My wife wasn't there, so I was like skipping through the kitchen. You know, I was doing my preacher show. I was like, hey. It's true. It's real. It's true. That's what I do when she's not home. Do spiritual warfare. But at the cross, what do we find? We find forgiveness. When you look at the cross, what do you see? You see forgiveness. You see Jesus forgiving his oppressors. Looking at the people who beat, them, beat him within an inch of his life and saying, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. On the cross, we not only witness Jesus forgiving his oppressors, but we also experience Jesus forgiving you. Jesus forgiving me. Jesus forgiving us of all of our sin. Of all of our transgressions. The cross is a place of forgiveness. This is the origin story of Christianity. This is where we learn to forgive. And yet so many Christians live not only a day. But seasons or years or decades of their lives in unforgiveness. We know that the Jesus that we claim to follow forgives, and yet we so often hold on to unforgiveness and allow spiritual warfare to take place in our hearts. We latch on to the spirit of offense. We take the bait, and we remain unforgiving. So many Christians are suffering of unforgiveness today because the spirit of offense has latched onto them. Getting offended and staying offended is so commonplace in our culture today. And if you do not believe me, just get out your phone, pull up Facebook. It'll take you about two or three scrolls, and you'll see a post that's been made, likely, by someone who is offended. Offense has just become a commonplace thing today. And unfortunately, it's not just in our culture. It's also in our churches. People are fighting against each other. People are offended with each other. People are unforgiving uh, with each other. They'll, they'll, they'll still sh- share the same pew and come in and shake hands and say, oh, praise the Lord, brother. Oh, praise the Lord, sister. But they'll hop right back in their car. Did you see what she had on today? I cannot stand her. Oh, yeah, it just got too real too fast. Sorry, this is still the introduction. This is still the introduction. Don't worry. It gets way worse. The spirit of offense, man, that is an act of spiritual warfare. Uh, team and I, we read uh, Danny Silk's book, The Culture of Honor, last month. And, and how many of you guys have read that book? It's a pretty good book. And uh, he talks about the spirit of offense. He says, the spirit of offense justifies you withholding your love from the person that has offended you. He said again, the spirit of offense justifies you withholding your love from the person that offended you. That's the spirit of offense. But what if I told you today, guys, that there is a place in God where you don't have to be offended anymore? What, what if I told you today that there is a place in Jesus where we no longer have to struggle through life holding on to our hurts, our pain, and our offenses? What if I told you there's a place in God where you could be hidden that would keep you from ever being offended in the first place. 
You guys don't seem as excited about this as I am. What if I told you that there is a place that would protect you from ever being offended in the first place? (laughs) Is there a place in God like that? If you want to find it, say, that's me. So Psalm 119, we're going to look at verses 161 through 165. I know, that's that long psalm chapter. Chapter 119, and you can read it on the screen if you want to, but I'm going to start in the ESV, and then verse 165, I'm actually going to throw it back, and I'm going to read from the KJV. All right, you guys ready for that? So let's start with verse 161. It says, princes persecute me without cause. Princes, people in authority, people in high places, my boss, my pastor, an old pastor, my youth pastor, my coach, my parents. Oh, it's getting quiet. Princes persecute me without cause. They did not have a right. It wasn't fair. And I'm hurt. But, you guys see that part? You guys see that but? But, see everybody needs a but. Everybody needs something to fall back on. Uh, I've been persecuted, but they hurt me, but they said something nasty about me, but they posted some gossip about me on Facebook, but y'all ain't hearing me this way. I don't think y'all ready for this. Can I preach this the way God gave it to me or what? But see, we all just need a but. Yeah, I heard what you said, but. But my heart stands in awe of your words. <laughs> Woo! I rejoice at your word. What does rejoice mean? It, it means to have joy again. It means when you've exhausted the word and you've got all the joy from it you think you're going to get, then you get some more. <laughs> but I'm going to rejoice At your word, like one who finds great spoil. I can promise you that you would go bananas if you won 10K on a scratch-off. And I think that is a good illustration of what it might look like when you have joy again in the words that God has spoken over your life despite being hurt by someone who had no right to hurt you. But. (laughs) Somebody say, but. (laughs) But. This is the first time we scream but in church, and I like it. I hate. (laughs) We can't podcast this now. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love. What does it say, fam? Your law. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Can What? Rules can be righteous? Wow, okay. Upgrade me, Lord. 
Psalm 119 and 165 and the KJV says this. <laughs> Can y'all tell I'm happy? Great peace. You know why I'm happy? Ah, because great peace. Did, did the Bible say a little bit of peace? Uh, did the Bible say, you're going to get by. You're going to eat through. You're barely going to make it. You better grit and bear it. You better hunker down. That's what they said in Kentucky. I don't know if they say that here in Nashville. Better hunker down. Batten the hatches. It's going to get bad. That's not what the Lord said. The Lord said that great peace have they, everybody say, that's me, which love thy law. Ha! And nothing, nada, zilch, zero, nothing shall offend them. Now, what if I told you that there's a place in God where you cannot be offended anymore? What if I told you there's a place in God that would protect you from ever being offended in the first place? The Bible says that if we are to protect ourselves from the spirit of offense and practice forgiveness as Jesus practiced it, we're going to have to have a loving, intimacy, relationship with something called the law. The law. As I mentioned, verse 161 talks about people in authority. Just about everybody I know. Now, I'm, it's about to get real. If, if, you, if you thought that we were real up to this point, we're going to go further. You guys okay? Just about everybody that I know that stays offended has a problem with authority. They don't like anybody who's in charge or has a semblance of being in charge. People over me hurt me. They had no reason to do that. Therefore, I will never, ever, insert ungodly belief, bad intervow here, ever trust anybody in a position of authority ever again. And then they teach their kids to do the same thing. And then they wonder why they have trouble at school. You're offended. Hey, if this hasn't happened to you yet, just hold on. Stay in church a little bit longer. Stay a part of a family just a little bit longer. Stay a part of a friend group just a little bit longer. Because I promise you, the rub of relationship will eventually pass to you a handwritten invitation to practice offense. Here you go. That hurt you, didn't it? They didn't have a right to, did they? You're angry. You should get offended because they deserve your punishment. But there's got to be something out there that we can find. There has to be something out there that we can discover. There has to be a place in God that we, can over, under, that we can uncover, that we can protect ourselves from the spirit of offense, that we can do warfare by saying, I, I'm not even getting offended. I can't even be offended. I'm walking this world as the pardon of God. 
I'm walking this world as the pardon of God. I'm walking in forgiveness, great peace. Have they which love thy law. Notice he didn't say love the name. Man, it'd be great if he said love the name. What's his name? Jesus. Wow. There's only one name. I'm going to preach myself into a, a fit here. There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. His name is Jesus. We know how to call on the name. Who's the one that heals us? Who's the one that saves us? Woo! Who's the one that delivers us? Man, too bad it's not just knowing the name that could keep us from being offended. Because I know a whole lot of people that come to church every single Sunday shout Jesus. Still offended. Still angry. Still bitter. Still unforgiving. It's too bad he didn't say love thy word. I know a whole lot of people who read devotionals, very disciplined in reading the scripture, and yet they open the Bible every single day and they're still harboring bitterness in their heart. They're offended at somebody. Didn't say those who love thy word. He said those who love thy law. So what law? What law are we looking for? What law must we uncover to get us free from the spirit of offense? What law do we need to find to get us to a place to where we can practice forgiveness as warfare? Is it the thou shalt law? Thou shalt not law? Is it good practices? Is it the law of good practices? Well, just keep praying, brother. You'll be all right. We got people been praying for a decade still embittered. Still angry with a parent that hurt them when they were 11. I know, I I realize it's getting real. Still angry with a coach that hurt them when they were 19. Still angry with a pastor that hurt them 14 years ago. It's getting real, isn't it? Is it good practices? Is it, hey, just keep going to church. We know just by the looks of our generation that that's not working. Just go to church. You'll be fine. Don't worry. You'll be able to practice forgiveness as long as you get up every single Sunday and just go to church. We know that's not true. It's not that law. Is it the law of I have a right to refuse it? I don't receive it. Well, you're thinking about it. It's keeping you up at night. I don't receive that. I flush that. Well, you got anxiety over it. <laughs> Sounds like you received it. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't paying attention to that. Well, you heard it, didn't you? Paying attention. What about that law? We got to find that law today. If we don't do anything else, we got to find this law before I let you guys go. What about that law that's going to keep us from ever being offended? What is that law? We got to find it, and the Bible says we got to love it. So what is offense anyway? I mean, when you look through the Bible, you'll see a few different words that are used for the word offense. But the most common translation of the word offense is actually the Greek word, which is called scandalon. Somebody say, there's a scandalon. There's a scandalon. That's what offense is. Offense, if you look at scandalon and you translate it, is a stick for bait, a trap, 
a stumbling block. I think that's why John Bevere ended up calling his book The Bait of Satan, which is all about the spirit of offense. If you want to pick it up and read it, it's probably a good idea. But this is what Satan uses as a weapon of spiritual warfare against us. He works very hard to convince us that we should nibble on that bait called offense so that he can pull us into a trap of unforgiveness. Go ahead, nibble on that. Go ahead, that person had no right. That person in authority, they had no right to hurt you. Go ahead, nibble on that offense a little bit. Go ahead, just taste it. Doesn't it feel good to gossip about them? Oh, doesn't that gratify you a little bit to give somebody a phone call and make up a few things that you know will hurt them? Or that thing that they told you in confidence, but now that you don't like them or you're mad at them, you're going to expose. Yeah, go ahead and nibble on that. Go ahead and do that. Prison. Take the bait and it's a stumbling block. You've stumbled and you've fallen and you've become offended. And you might say, well, I have a right to be offended. No, dead men don't have any rights. Dead men don't have rights. It's over. Once you're dead, once you've been co-crucified with Christ, Galatians chapter 2, verse 22, you have no rights. Woo! But I have a right. No, you don't. You're dead. To have some rights, you'd have to get up off the cross. Jesus said, if any man going to follow me, he's going to have to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He said, hey, if you want to find real life, you're going to have to lose it first. You're going to have to die to your right to be right before you can walk in a spirit of forgiveness. You're going to have to die to your right to remain offended if you're going to walk the world as the pardon of God. You're going to have to die to your right to hold on to your bitterness if you truly are ever going to shine the light of love into the darkness of your community. You're going to have to let it go. I don't have a right. The only rights I have are the rights that Jesus gives me because I'm filled up with Jesus' spirit. We talked about money last week. See, how you handle money actually enhances you or exposes you. And it's the same thing with offense. Anytime you get an invitation to be offended, you then have the opportunity to stay where you are or grow. Anytime somebody hurts you and Satan... A little bait, you know, oh, man, yeah, oh, whoa. They shouldn't have done that. They're terrible. Get offended. Stay offended. Harbor that bitterness for years. I love what Joyce Meyer, she she said, you know, unforgiveness, Joyce Meyer said, unforgiveness and and bitterness and offense is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Fence is like a cancer. The more you feed it, the more it grows. How you handle offense either enhances or exposes your maturity. And if you walk around offended all the time, you are immature and you are not ready to speak on behalf of God. I know that I'm being a little harsh, but we got a whole lot of Facebook prophets talking about how anointed they are, but the only thing that they're doing is spewing bitterness and gossiping. Dang, I, didn't, I shouldn't have said that, huh? I, I forgot. I should have gave a disclaimer. This is a rated R message for real. 
we better find that law. We don't have that much time left. Let's find that law. Is the law psychological? Do we just need better counseling? <laughs> Counseling's good. Yeah, my wife's reminded. She's counseling's good. Counseling is good. It's good. Helps you. It's good. But is it? I know a whole lot of people do a whole lot of counseling. Still offended. Is it counseling? Hey, what about unity? Is it the law of unity? Hey, let's just get together and let's talk it out. Hey, let's, let's meet at this restaurant. Let's have a little coffee. Let's sit down. Then we smile at each other. We agree, yeah, it's all. Awesome. Take a little selfie. See, we're not mad at each other. Then you get in the car, you call your wife. I can't stand that person. I'm never going to be around them again. You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's, 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 it's quiet in here. Is it the law of unity? Should we just find another church? We just go somewhere else. Man, we better find that law, y'all. We got to find that. We don't have that much time left. Hey, look, there's three laws in the New Testament because we know that it's not in the Old Testament. We know that it's not the do and the don't law. It's not that law that's going to save us from offense. There's three primary laws in the New Testament. I want to give you all three of them. Number one is the law of the spirit of life. Romans 8 and 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. How many of you this morning are alive? You guys alive? We have been set free from death. Brian gave us that word during worship. We have been set free from the grave. We have been set free from decay. We are now alive. Aren't you guys thankful to be alive? But I know a whole lot of people who are alive in Jesus and remain offended. They are saved, but they're still broken. So this can't be the law. Let's look at the second one. The law of, the, the law of liberty. James 1 and 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, and who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know, some people are saved, but they're not free, as we talked about in the first law. They've come out of their grave, but they're bound. But then some people are free, and they're offended as well. And they say things like, I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I don't have to listen to that person. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I don't have to stay a part of this company. I can do whatever I want. I am free. You're offended. I don't have to stay a part of this church. I don't have to go through a process of restoration. I don't have to listen to anybody correct me. Bless God. I am free. Says so right here in the Bible. Yeah, but you still offended. Dang. Wow. All the people have been in ministry for a while. They're like, woo. Wow. Okay. Am I messing with y'all too much this morning? I I don't really mean to. I just, I want to see free. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He he, he came alive, right? But he still needed to, he still needed to get free. He still had them grave clothes on. He said, disciples, y'all release him of his grave clothes. It's a great picture of the church. Jesus is the one who brings us to life. And yet he needs his disciples to... Unwrap. Some people in isolation. 
won't be a part of community because bless God, they're free, but they're hopping around in their mummy clothes. Ain't got nobody to help them grow. So that can't be the law. Because you can cover up your offense with your liberty. You can cover up your offense with your liberty. See, guys, I'm free. I'm good. I'm, I'm Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm coming to church again. See, I'm free. Woo. But on the inside, I'm covering something. Because I still haven't forgiven that person yet. Because I'm still hurting. And I'm offended at them. And I'm holding them hostage to something they did eight years ago. And I'm hurting. And they've forgotten it. So here's the law. I think I found the law. Y'all ready for it? It's called the law of love. (laughs) James 2 and 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing it right. The royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. There's the law. There's the law. We found it. It was right there the entire time. That if we would love our neighbor as ourselves, we would be set free and protected from the spirit of unforgiveness and offense. Instead of demanding your rights, you lay down your life to love. Instead of demanding that somebody do something for you and submit to your control as a result of your offense, you lay down your life again to love. Is there any greater love than a man that would lay down his life for another? I let it go and I lay down and I love my neighbor as myself. Love of God, if you really love God, John says, if you really love God who you can't see, then you'll really love your neighbor who you can see. And I know a lot of people say, I love God. You guys heard that song? I love God. Spotify it. It's funny. It's like a hip hop song. But if you really love God, here's how it shows up. Here's how it shows up. If you really love God, you love your neighbor. That's how it manifests. Man, I really love God. I really love God. Well, okay, let's see. I love my neighbor. And if you really love your neighbor, here's how it shows up. You love your enemy. Then you you love your enemy. Worship team's going to play, so I got to finish. We got another service. But can I give you guys, I'm going to give you an acronym real quick for getting free of the spirit of offense. Okay, can I give you guys that real quick? I'm going to move on fast. Let me give you an acronym for getting free of the spirit of offense. Just write down love, L-O-V-E. L-O-V-E, L. Everybody say locate. Come on, everybody say locate. Locate my problem, my offense. You've got to, if you're going to get free from the spirit of offense, you've got to locate that offense. You've got to locate the problem and ask yourself this. Where have I taken the bait? Where have I chosen to be offended? Where's that at? All right. Oh. Don't become the oppressor. How often does the offended then become the offender? Maybe you were right. Maybe they were wrong. 
but, but now, instead of just healing you, God's got to protect them from you while you learn to forgive. Don't become the offender just because you've been offended. Don't fight back. Let it go. Hold your, hold your tongue. Exodus 14 and 14 says, you should hold your tongue and let the Lord your God fight for you. God is a much better defender of you than you. God knows how to defend you better than you know how to defend you. Better than you know how to think of points to say as a rebuttal. Better than you know how to process up until 3 a.m. in the morning with a long document. Here's everything I'm going to say when we hang out. There's going to be this, this, this. And then I'm going to show And then when I'm done, I'm going to mic drop it and I ain't even going to let you respond. You know what I'm saying? Get out. God knows how to do that better than you do. You don't have to defend yourself when somebody's hurt you. Let God be your defense. You don't have to defend yourself. It's better when you don't. It turns out better when you don't. You know, you know our words produce fruit. Our lips produce fruit, right? Proverbs says, the, 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 out of the lips of the righteous, you good fruit, right? Well, don't give hell anything to nourish itself with. Stop talking, and the demons will run out of energy. Just stop defending yourself. Just let it go. Don't take up a defense. And I know that's hard, and that takes a lot of self-control, but thankfully, self-control is something called a fruit of the Spirit, which I think we should teach on that another time because our generation seems to have forgotten that. All right, here's V. Y'all ready for V? Verify where my pain is coming from. Can I ask you this? Are you offended by a person? Are you offended by the enemy? Or are you offended by God? Where is your offense actually flowing from? A lot of times I've found that it's actually God. God's offended us. Bill Johnson said God offends the mind to reveal the heart. And sometimes God puts us in challenging situations to reveal what's in us. And as a result, we get embittered towards God and we worship him on Sundays, but we're harboring offense against him on the inside. Are you actually offended by God? If you are, you need to repent today. Here's E. Now, be emancipated. Be set free. Now that you know where the offense is flowing from, be released from it today. If the enemy is coming against you and you've been offended by the enemy, today's the day you rebuke him. You say, no more devil. I will not let you live in this house any longer. Get your hands off my kids. Get your hand off my marriage. Get your hand off my heart. Get your hand off my money. No more am I going to let you run around because this is not your territory. Today I evict you. I serve you an eviction notice. And I put it over the forefront of the door of my heart. And I say, you're not welcome here anymore. I rebuke you by the finished work of the cross. Am I too excited for y'all at the end of this service? (laughs) If it's a person that has offended you, and I know that happens often, if it's a person that has offended you, forgive them. 
just forgive them today. And that doesn't mean the ouchie's gonna go away right away. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it still stings tomorrow. And you think about them and you say, I forgave them yesterday at church and I'm still feeling something. Well, then forgive them again. And keep forgiving them until the ouchie goes away. Because <laughs> there'll come a time when you start thinking about them and the pain won't be, be there anymore and the prayer will just start to bubble up and the love will just start to flow because you've been spending time with Jesus. And, and so instead of identifying them by their mistake, you start to look at them the way that God sees them. You got to say, yeah, I know that they behave that way, but that's not actually their character. God fashioned them to function a little bit differently. And now that I've been spending time with him, I've got a different vantage point on that thing that hurt me. And I no longer have to hold on to my offense and just get the enemy's perspective on a person in their worst case scenario. I get to get God's perspective on a person and see them in their best case scenario. So I forgive them and I bless them. And I release them. And even though that might be hard, I keep doing it because I know that's what Jesus did for me on the cross. And to do anything else would go against the grain of the kingdom. And if it's God who has offended you, receive it. God disciplines those he loves and he is faithful to offend you. Oftentimes by blessing people that deserve to be blessed less than you. At least in your opinion. Receive it. Receive the offense. Don't be the big brother in the prodigal son story. Why would you want to sit outside of the house when there's a party going on? A party of reconciliation, a party of forgiveness, a party of redemption, a party of man, the lost one has come home. The offender has now become reinstated in his rightful place. Only then will be it will we be a house that can truly celebrate a sinner's repentance and not demand that they go through the process that we put on them just to ensure that they agree with us before we let them do anything? Dang, I got to stop. Okay, let's stand up. Let's pray.